Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning, folks. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and thanks for tuning in once again to American Tennis. And this is our fifth year of broadcast on the Yellow Ball Network, and I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. And, folks, go to my website, chuckcreasy.net, K-R-I-E-S-E, chuckcreasy.net, or listen to the other programs on the Yellow Ball Network, uh, including Coach John Denise on Thursday afternoons at 5.30. And thank you to J.P. Weber and all that you have done for tennis. Folks, there's probably few people uh, smarter in this industry Just JP is a tennis genius With so many things And uh, he keeps the ball rolling and, and keeps working towards things And I want to talk today About so much And, and I want to make sure that I get it all in But I want to make sure that I present it In the right way and, um, and, and so Thanks for tuning in I think this is a very very important program This is a very very important Time because we are now starting to get to the bottom of so many issues, but especially those issues that we're all aware of about the changing nature of our game and uh, the direction of our game and um, just exactly what is the future of our game going to look like. And, and regardless, I wanted to start out by saying regardless, regardless of what you believe, right or wrong or indifferent compared to someone else, I want you to always remember what I just told a colleague two days ago. I called a uh, coach two days ago that's a very concerned parent as well, and I'd never met the gentleman. And I said, from the start, I'm going to use the disclaimer, I guess. I don't like disclaimers that much. I know you don't either, but she said, I'd like to use the disclaimer that there's probably going to be 30 or 40 or maybe even 50% of the things that we're not going to agree on. We live uh, in different areas of the country, and we come from different backgrounds. However, 
can we agree to disagree on those points, and that's okay. We can talk and discuss those things like we're supposed to do in a free society. And with that, let's agree on the things we can, and then let's try to make a difference. Let's stand up. Let's speak out. Let's do the things that we need to do, say the things that we need to say. Let's stand up and speak out and agree on what we can and just respect the other person's opinion and their viewpoint enough to where you cut them some slack, listen to what they have to say, and then you tell you bring your points up and, and then discuss it. Then a person's mind can actually change. And the tragedy, as you know right now, that in our politically correct world and where people assume the moral high ground no matter whether they're in a swamp or on the mountain of morals one way or another. Everybody believes that uh, the saying is everybody in the world would want to be like me if only they knew how. And it's it's a sad thing that we have uh, so are so polarized now in the politics and just about all of our beliefs. But we absolutely need to agree on the points that we can speak out on what we should, have the courage to stand up. And if you're an old, older person or a more experienced, a senior citizen, folks, you have a duty and obligation to spread your wisdom, deliver messages. You don't have to deliver blows when you deliver messages. Remember, if you deliver a blow with the message, it probably a uh, person won't be around to take much in. And you feel good for about 30 minutes, 10 minutes, 2 minutes, 30 seconds sometimes. But you always feel bad in the end that you didn't make a difference. You might make a point, but you don't make a difference. So try to deliver messages without delivering blows. And You younger folks who are listening to this, uh, the wisdom comes from those people that have lived enough life and been through enough battles to actually have seen the journey many, many times. And uh, I love to surround myself with smart people. I love to surround myself with learned people. I love to be around senior citizens because they drop pearls of wisdom and if you're around to catch that, catch the pearls of wisdom, it just saves you so much time in, in life. So if you're old, you have the responsibility. Don't say, hey, listen, I'm too old. Nobody's going to pay attention to me. If you're a young person and you're a little bit afraid about what people would do, if you're a little bit, uh, you come up with a different point of view, well, shame on you because it won't get better when you get older, young whippersnapper coaches out there. It is not going to get better. Like, it's not going to be that you're 40 years old and say, you know what, I'm going to try to stand up for what I believe right now. And uh, I know I've been sort of buckling and just sort of kissing rear ends and going along with the flow for, you know, 30, 25 years or 20 years, and now I'm going to change. No, that's that's not the way it happens. If you are uh, a person that uh, is a schmoozer, a uh, band boat rider, a person that just tries to get along and you don't have your own opinions on things at 20, you're not going to have them at 40. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I've got a great picture in my office here. I don't have any of the hoopla stuff. I have just uh, pictures of loved ones 
I don't have the fluff stuff, but I do have two pictures. One is uh, about a Paul Schofield movie, A Man for All Seasons, that I saw in 1966 as a junior in high school, and it meant an incredible amount to me. If you want to watch something that it definitely influenced my life, my hero for many years has been uh, Sir Thomas or St. Thomas More. You know, and, and uh, if you watch that movie, the dialogue, the way he articulates, the way he stood up, and actually he was beheaded and he was martyred, uh, stood up to stood up to City Hall, stood up to uh, the powers that be, stood up to King Henry. It's a fantastic movie. And uh, then I've got a picture of George C. Scott in the movie Pat, and I liked as clumsy as he was with what he did when it was time to do we would not have won the war. You could, yeah, We would not have won the war without a Winston Churchill. And as clumsy as he was with things, the courage that he had. Folks go see The Darkest Hour and then also Patton. As clumsy and arrogant as he was, he was the wrecking ball of uh, red tape that we had. <laughs> and he, it's, it's really uh, just things you remember. When something's got to get done, you got to get done. And a lot of times you have to go back afterwards and sort of clean up some messes, but when it's time to get done, you better get it done when it presents itself. And, you know, if sometimes you just have to be that wrecking ball of political correctness and you have to get things done. And uh, if so if you're young, try to figure out what you stand for right away. And if you're middle-aged, beware of golden handcuffs, those jobs that, sort of lock you in and you sort of got the nice life and folks I understand when I was in my middle age that was the time I hated the most because you're sort of waiting for retirement and you got to get your pension and you got to take care of your family and you're not the hot young young uh, stallion anymore the hot young whippersnapper that can get it done and boy it's uh, I did not like me I like old being older so much better than middle age and when you're young, of course, who wouldn't like being young again? So I wanted to give you that challenge as we talk about what's going on here and what's going on with the USTA, what's going on with the ITA, what's going on with tennis. Folks, I've got some revelations today. Our program is why are they so motivated? It's very interesting. It is so, so very interesting and when I come right back, we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to give you the heads up, and, and you will be shocked. And I've been doing research this week on all of this and uh, what I've been talking to you about in the game of tennis. It, it, and I always had this belief that why are these guys, our higher-ups, even when I was on the daggone USTA committee, why was their narrative so motivated toward something that was so out of bounds after 143 years of heritage? Why were they going after the scoring system like they were and just so passionate about it? Why have they been so un unrelenting? And why is this and, – and people are not motivated unless they have some type of an ulterior or, or interior or – some inside motive for it, but we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to give you the scoop, and you know what? You better hang on because you are going to be flabbergasted and more appalled even than you were last week. So this Coach Chuck Creasy and this American Tennis will be right back. 
This is Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years' experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Folks, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and do you know that I am the leading expert in the world on momentum control? There's nothing else out there like what I have developed over the past 35 years about momentum control. If you want to learn about momentum control, which is the most powerful force in all sports, it could be the most powerful force in your business. It's the most powerful force in your career. Contact me at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net, and I will give you some great tips, and I will come teach you and your organization about momentum control. going on. 
Um, I met a gentleman this week that is very learned, as I told you, and uh, I really want to collaborate with him and do some work because he's got the passion of uh, five lions, and, and he really wants the right thing for his children, and he wants the right thing as a coach, and uh, he doesn't like what's going on with the USTA or the ITA or with college tennis and, and so many things, and so many people are uh, just really disgruntled out there. And I, I think uh, most of it, you know, the USTA could take a uh, a quick tip. You basically have to approach all Americans as if, you know what, the people run this show first. We are a service organization. We must not lose our mission of, and, our, and our goals of serving others first. But what happens almost always, I think, is that uh, they say you create a monster, then you have to feed it, and then you start having to tend to it so much that it, it starts devouring you. And uh, as it goes, the USTA basically probably has gotten too big and too big for its britches and uh, probably has lost sight of its goals very much the way in an educational pro any educational program whether it's a uh, uh, college or high school or any education program the minute that the administrators uh, become more important than the students or the teachers or anything you lose you lose your uh, credibility and and uh, you forget why you're there but USTA, you could first start by understanding and going back to your mission statement and uh, stating it, that our first job is service. You know, look, you don't have to be a servant, but you need service. And you need to, first of all, start with that in mind because you're, you're nothing unless you have the people out there. And I think that that's why they're worried so much because they started – uh, taking numbers and they're seeing that numbers are declining and uh, all of the things are even I don't want to say they're lying about the numbers but they're fabricating high numbers and they're lock stocking up numbers to make things look good and whenever you go there whenever you go that's sort of like a coach the first thing out of his mouth saying hey we got this many wins well right away you know that the coach does not care about the people on his or her team. So we, we have uh, issues. Many, many people are disgruntled. Many, many people are upset. Many, many people are concerned. And uh, from top to bottom, and I'm, I'm saying very learned people, our best people out there, the Wayne Bryans, the uh, Mega Pat Harrisons, the Jack Sharps, the Jerry Baskins, the uh, Robert Lansdorps, the J.P. Webbers, the, and you can go on and on. The Frank Salazar's, the greatest coaches out there, are very, very concerned. <clears throat> and so when this starts happening, um, the people who are respected out there start speaking out and standing up. Then, you, then you have some issues. So, I, I wanted to start out by saying, challenging USTA, you better go back to your values of service first. And uh, it's a shame because you have so much money in your organization from the U.S. Open. <clears throat> you know, I, it, it's, it's, it's a rough one, so I'm not even going to go there. But I've often wondered, and my last shows have been about this, I've often wondered how in the world, in our great country that we have, that people such as 
you know, the John Adams, the Thomas Jeffersons, the George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, who was the young apprentice for basically for George Washington. George Washington saw young Alexander Hamilton as this bright young guy, and he mentored him and brought him along. And, and uh, you know, and, and then you have the James Madison, who is the writer of, or, you know, the, the Madison, the, the Federalist Papers and our Constitution and these brilliant and the Benjamin Franklin's. Now, how did all of these people come together? And then they had to be able to come together from different backgrounds and different colonies. And there was a need to come together, first of all, because there must have been oppression. There must have been a violation of the freedoms that are founding fathers saw, and not just them, but all over their area, their colony or their state where they live, their communities. There must have been oppression. There must have been the tournaments were too hard to get into and too much regulation and too much expensive. And the player head tax that is $3 a player by the USTA and the point system, you were you were regulated by points, and even though Great Britain loved to have a handle on everything, and they loved, felt like when we are organized and we've got these all these uh, colonies singing the same tune in the choir, there was unrest, and there had to have been a a great great feeling of oppression. So that was universal. So how did they get organized? What happened? In in the last, the, uh, the simple thing is that all of these colonies, even though they had different forms of oppression in many different ways from Great Britain, and their freedoms being infringed upon, and mandates being made, USTA, daggone it, you guys. What, I mean, all you, do not mandate things. You know, you can market all you want. Don't mandate things. You know, not in the game. The game of tennis is a free game. You look like, you know, cheap salesmen on the corner trying to hoodwink somebody. The marketeers, get those guys out of there. Let's get the educators back in there. So anyhow, so the colonies, I've always used that example, that there must have been oppression then the leaders were found, and, and the leaders were no different than ours. Some were afraid. Some were Tories that sort of stayed loyal. They were sort of walking the fence. Some were afraid. Some stood up. Some were coaxed into standing up. But the, the turning point, I really believe, was Thomas Paine's common sense article that went all over the colonies, was re- reproduced and read by millions or excuse me, thousands, not millions at that time. I think they only had some, I forget how many, eight or 10 million people or something in the entire U.S. I don't think any, any, I was thousands of people read it and it was read over and over. So people got a bit of courage and just say, hey, you read this article? Yeah, this is sort of right, isn't it? Now think about how information was really relished and cherished and everybody knew that the information out there was either a diamond or a rhinestone. Thomas Paine's writing made a lot of sense if you read it and it's put together and it takes a long time to read, 45 minutes to an hour, but it's a diamond. It's a gem. It's not a rhinestone just for flash. And I've always 
mentioned on this program that I've, I've hesitated, folks, putting stuff on Facebook. I always called it fake book. And I said, I don't want to put rhinestones out there that glisten and shine, but there's no value to them. I'd rather put diamonds out there now and then and things that maybe people look to read or want to read or things that are of substance instead of stuff that is just fly by the night. But Thomas Paine's article was put out there. And I, I must I do not know the exact history. Forgive me the history um, buffs out there, but there was unrest and stuff happened and they got together at the first Continental Congress or the first meeting and they these guys talked and some people wanted to appease the king and get along and then others said, No, 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 we've enough is enough, let's do stuff and I remember a great movie on George Washington, a, a, a six-part series back in the 70s. And I remember George, after going to one of these meetings, said, Martha, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I can't make up my mind. Some people are just so adamant about it. I guess John Adams and you know James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, are so adamant about it. And she says, George, you're not like other men or other leaders. When you make up your mind, your mind is made up. You will stand strong through every storm, George, once you make up your mind. You're a man of integrity, a man of honor, and everyone knows that. Just pray on it, think on it, and you'll make the right decision. I remember so much, and that's been 40 years ago I saw that series, but that was, was, was so very, very true. But think about how they went, and then finally they decided to do something. And then, of course, when, uh, gosh, where did the, the first blood was drawn up there in Boston or New York or somewhere, and then, then they had to fight. They had to put their army together, and they picked George Washington and so on and so on and so on. So the last couple of weeks I've read to you Thomas Paine's other article that I think probably formed our country without Thomas Paine doing the – common sense article. Maybe we need common sense. Somebody want to rewrite? I've already uh, asked a couple. We need common t- uh, tennis sense, don't we? Or tennis sense for the common man? I don't know. But, but bottom line on the thing, we need to come together and get our ideas together. But Thomas Paine, right when Washington's uh, army was ready to break up right after, I guess, Valley Forge, and right before their great win at Trenton over the Hessians. And, again, Washington was only 3-9-1, and one, folks. He won at, uh, golly, where did they win at? Yorktown, of course, was the final one. Trenton was a Concord. Where was it? Down in South Carolina, I guess, Cowpens or somewhere down in South Carolina. But they were 3-9-1. and one. They, they won the big ones. But Thomas Paine writing to the troops and saying, these are the times the tri-men's soul, that summer soldier and sunshine patriot will, in a crisis, shrink from the service to his country. But he, he that stands by it now deserves the love and the thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. And heaven 
knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. And USTA, I don't I don't believe you guys are into freedom, and I don't believe you guys, hey, between you and me, all the folks listening, I don't think America, USTA is an American first organization. And the reason why, you got wonderful people, but you're in a bureaucracy. And if people would just be un harnessed and allowed to go out and do what they need to in this sport, you would see a a chain of energy that would just explode and things would grow exponentially as far as tennis is concerned. Folks, the last two weeks I've been unveiling what exactly is going on. For the last six years I've been very actively pushing, promoting, writing, in preaching about traditional scoring and that we should not be bastardizing the most important heirloom in the thing that makes us so, so unique. Uh, My boys here at the Citadel, they play ping pong a lot. I say play tennis scoring. It's so much more interesting than just keeping score by ones. You want to get your kids good at, 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 at a higher level in tennis? Play tennis scoring when you play ping pong. Boy, oh boy, it works great. They learn about the pressures. They learn about carrying a lead. They learn about what happens when they're ahead and they start to choke and their hands go away. And they wonder, why do I play always better when I'm behind than when I'm even? And why can't I close out a set? And all of these things that take so long. But our scoring system is brilliant. It's brilliant. And we're throwing out the most brilliant part of our game for to, to for expediency or for, for uh, easiness, easy to pick up becomes easy to put down. Why don't you guys understand that? Hard to pick up is hard to put down. Easy to pick up, easy to put down. Why make checks, chess into checkers? And, and if you'll keep it, the scoring system, it will survive. But if you keep bastardizing it and changing it for your whims and folks, for your money, if you do, we're going to be left with nothing in the end, nothing of value that I want my kids in. Shamefully, I love tennis, but I want my tennis, my kids in tennis, if they're just, if it's no better than a the flash of a, a carnival weekend that is, doesn't teach them anything. So I've been wondering, though, why has the ITA, why was USTA so adamant for so long about changing the scoring system. Why is the ITA pushed and pushed and pushed and bullied and bullied and pushed and bullied and liar, liar, pants on fire? You guys 11 times voted to keep traditional scoring, and the ITA kept pushing and pushing. 198 women's coaches voted to keep it, and they did it anyway. 75% of all coaches, 90% of all players wanted to keep traditional scoring. They did it anyway. And they came up with their own numbers and they fashioned their own polls. I got all the, I documented everything, guys, everything. But always in the back of my mind was why? Why is this so, it's got to be more than just, hey, we love tennis. Oh, and the narrative was always, hey, we're going to get it on TV. 
Hey, we want to make it within two hours. Hey, we care about the kids' injuries. And when they went there, I just wanted to vomit because that's just sadly sad. It's so sad that that has nothing to do with it. Kids are getting injured now because they do not, you know, they try to play a after-school activity mentality and uh, exercise program. And then they go into a real match and they're not ready for, it's just like trying to put a Chevrolet at the Indianapolis 500 or put a, put a, uh, and, and they are, our, our, our pros are breaking down. Our pros are getting injured. Our kids are getting injured. It sure is not because it's too hard. It's because the training is too soft. Absolutely. It's too soft. Nobody's ready to play at that level, but let's talk about why. Why? What really, really is the inside scoop? So I tracked it all back last week to the history of getting college tennis first three years ago, and now they're pushing all the abbreviated scoring into the juniors, aren't they? Have, have you all seen the one, at, one set, no ad set for doubles? Laughable, laughable and ridiculous to call that a match. I had a parent call me and said, we flew to a national tournament and we did that. Are you kidding me? It was shameful. I said, how much money did you all spend? They said, we spent a lot of money, probably $2,000 after the plane tickets and everything. I said, how many games did your child get to play while you were at this national event? It's something like 50. I said, oh, okay. So, golly, $2,000, 50 Whoa, that's $40 a game. It costs you $40 a game for your youngster to play tennis. How was it? Oh, they played no ad between four and seven points. Okay, $40 a game divided by four. Okay, by, by seven. You played between <laughs> between six, six, five fifty, and $10 a point. Now, how's that for tennis? Well, it doesn't take a parent very long to figure out that it's just not worth it when you play no ad scoring and ten game in a six game set and the abbreviations, oh my golly, and then the best player doesn't win. <laughs> and then the scoring system becomes more important than the skill set. Why work on thousands of hours of forehands and backhands if the scoring system loads the deck? Well, we're going to tell you why the scoring system loads the deck and why they want the scoring system to load the deck. So here we go. We got college tennis. This is now I'm talking about the 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 high up or higher ups there, the people running this agenda. So you got college tennis, and they they've got all this ITA group buying in to this bunch of bunk. And might I say they are not the most learned tennis people. <clears throat> They are tennis enthusiasts and people who like tennis, but they've never coached and they haven't walked the walk that they need to to really understand the sport. And uh, so why have they been pushing it? They got it into college. Now they're bleeding it into juniors. And, folks, five or six or seven or ten years and definitely 15 years from now, nobody's going to argue when Davis Cup is probably two out of three sets, no ad scoring, and a tiebreaker for the third set. With the people marketing, it will say, wow, 
It's supposed to be exciting, but why is nobody here? Wow, people's attention spans must be getting much, much shorter than we ever dreamed. Oh, why are kids not play- Why are the best athletes not playing tennis? Well, it's become the sissy sport that everybody used to say it was 40 or 50 years ago. I mean, the Roger Federer's and stuff, why train like a Roger Federer or a Djokovic or a Rafael Nadal when the matches are only an hour? Well, why do you why do you need to train? Be like a curios guy, just slap balls and you'll have as much success. The marketeers don't care, but all the people who have worked hard, all those children that learn to work hard, everybody that has learned to play a 15 rally point is going to say, well, this doesn't work. Well, all you got to learn how to do is slap a few serves. You don't have to learn how to play tennis. So if they get to college, then the juniors, they're going to get the pros. Well, why do you think they want the pros? I told you about last year that I went to a meeting and there were 12 coaches there. And this fellow is a computer guru and very much on the politics of tennis. He says, well, it's very, very simple why they want abbreviated scoring. They want abbreviated scoring because it produces randomness and random results. And I said, what? He said, yes, the number one pusher of all the money in tennis is gambling, the gambling industry. I go, whoa, whoa, what? And that's shocking even to tennis people. They never thought about it, but gambling is huge in tennis because a friend of mine who's in tennis said, well, how could that be? You're telling me it's bigger than horse racing or NFL football? I said, well, the problem we have in tennis, why it is, and or the opportunity for gamblers is that in 128 draw, they have 127 matches. That's just the men's side, by the way. And if you add the women's side, you have, what, 248, 248 matches? 248, is that right? 227, no, I got it wrong. 244 matches, 244 gambling opportunities at that tournament. At that tournament alone. Now, you multiply that times all of the tournaments all over the world, and everything's going on, and then you add that people bet online. Online now, you need live streaming. You need the streaming. That's an important point. So people bet online, and the reason they bet online, they can bet for who holds serve. They can bet on who wins this set. They can bet for anything. So the point is gambling is huge. So I said, you've got to be kidding me. He says, yes, well, the ITF and the – gambling industry are in cahoots together it's already a big thing and by the way it's written up on it folks you can go to an article (laughs) i did yesterday just look at the dave haggerty interview a conversation itf chairman on gambling and tennis and this was written in let me see let's see the articles inside tennis so the article was about the gambling and how players can be bought off and how they want to keep restrictions on that. And that's, we've all heard about that. And some players have been suspended, even banned because of their gambling with it. The thing, the, the indirect message that was sent so well and so straightforward, and I bet Haggerty is biting his tongue that he even 
talked about this and uh, even had to defend it. And he let the cat out of the bag because this connects all the dots is the fact that here we go in the article. Tennis is obviously getting closer and closer to the gambling organization. The ITF has a $70 million deal with an organization called Sports Trader, the huge William Hill gambling company that sponsors the Australian Open. There's also a bet at home tournament and also deals with Betway, Betfair, Sports Radar, officials, bet officials say, hey, that's just good for tennis. It's good that we're close with these companies so that we can monitor them and get take their money and keep them serving, but we also know what's going on. And then it goes on to defend, hey, listen, there's nothing wrong with legal gambling. Uh, it's It's in many countries it's allowed and so on and so on. And the article makes me vomit. It makes me vomit. It's, it's as if my son grew would grow up to be a drug dealer or my daughter to grow up to be a prostitute or something. The, 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 this, is, this is the despicable, putrid, awful, and Haggerty, I know you're the big shot now. And I went back and looked at Haggerty's stuff. And I know the guy, he's a friendly enough guy and everything, but found out that he was always in companies doing uh, marketeering work, like companies, he was chief CEO for Dunlop, Prince, Ed. Then he went to the USTA. Do you believe they hired a guy for the USTA that was a marketing guru for these companies? Who should they have hired? They needed to hire an educator. They needed to hire a coach. They needed to hire a person who was to the goals primarily and absolutely in the USTA, absolutely the goals of the USTA should be as an education organization, not as a marketeering place. You guys just, but again, you've lost your way and your goals, your goals have, have been sidetracked. The original reason that people play tennis and the original thing that grows stuff it's not the. It should be the educational approach, not the entertainment. The minute you go to entertainment, you're going to squeeze that melon dry. There's not. There's not going to be any juice left inside of it. Go to the article, look it up. You will be ashamed. You will be appalled. Now, two years later, a company called Betway came out, and they were going to. They were going to sponsor the Davis and the Fed Cup. You believe that one? And here it quotes a lot of money. Then I think Haggerty came back, and those guys came back and said, "Hey, we're not going to do that. It's a little bit too close to home now. Davis Cup and Fed Cup." And I think they were getting a lot of feedback that is negative from doing that, so they shutting and shut that down. But at the same time, folks, think about what gambling does not want. They do not want consistency. They do not want Federer winning all the time. They do not want uh, Dagon Rafael Nadal winning all the time. They do not want people winning 20 grand slams again because the house will suffer. 
Now, where do they? Why do they get their money? They get the live streaming, folks. Without the live streaming, you can't have gambling. That's what they pay for. So what are they doing? They've got so much feedback, pushback from people like me and you and people that ate the daggone uh, abbreviated scoring and they're lo- that people are looking at it from an educational approach. So what have they done? They basically have bypassed all that and figured out how can we make it into the pros, how can we get it into the pros, and what they've done is they sold a bill of goods to college and they put some leaders in there that don't understand the depth of what was going on and the real reason it's going on, and they were fed a bunch of lies and coaches were lied to, players were lied to, parents were lied to. And all of you guys who did this should be ashamed of yourself. And what we have now, what we have now is a system that is not on TV, is not bringing in money, is not going to be exciting. We've lost all of our American players. It's dying because the root system of of money first, education second, the, that root system will not inspire anyone. People will die for a cause, but they will not die for money or fame. Do not ever forget that. People will die for a cause. They will not die for money or fame. We need a cause to believe in, not just hype and fame and, and money. And you folks who have done this, shame on you. But maybe you're just marketeers at heart, and you did a heck of a job. Maybe somebody's giving you a bonus and congratulating you for being great marketeers. But tennis first should be honored. We honor the game. If you believe, like I do, about honoring the game first, and if you want to help out, join the Tennis Patriots. The Tennis Patriots are my grassroots organization. It's not mine. It's our, the United States of America, American Tennis Patriots. Email me at chuckcreasy at gmail.com, chuckcreasy at gmail.com, K-R-I-E-S-E. Go to my website, chuckcreasy.net. Please call me, email me, and, folks, I'm on it. I've had enough. I think a lot of you have had enough. All I'm telling you is have courage to stand up, speak out, address issues. I haven't said anything about anybody except the Haggerty guy, and I got this. I'm reading it. I'm reading it from an article. I'm reading it from an article. I didn't say anything bad about him, but I read this. Daggone address issues. Stand up, speak out. Folks, we've got to do something. This is it, or we're going to lose tennis. We lose tennis now, we're never going to bring it back. I don't care how popular it becomes. I don't care how famous people become. I don't care how much money is made with it. I don't care what they say about the numbers of people playing. That's a bunch of junk. But people will, it will never again be something that completely engages the heart, the heart, the soul, the body, and the mind of an athlete and teach our children so much. They will never again work at tennis for mastery. They will work for success, but that will not sustain. We need our children to work for mastery and to honor the sport and to give to the sport, and they will learn everything they need in life from this fantastic sport. It means everything to me. I hope it does to you also. Stay tuned. I'll let you know how that battle, this battle is coming. I'm 40, I've got 40-plus people already in like 10 days 
signed up for our American Tennis Patriots. God bless you. I'm sorry I didn't get around to the phone calls today. You people who are lit up on my screen right now, I'm sorry. We will do this. Listen next week at noon to Coach Chuck Creasy. That's who I am. And American Tennis Radio. of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. We'll see you next week, folks, on American Tennis. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.